Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Popcorn Power Hour. My name is Brian, and it's a lovely Sunday. Um, in fact, it's a Sunday late at night uh, for a lot of you because usually I do this at three o'clock uh, on the in the afternoon if I even remember to do it. Because more often than not, I just uh, can't. But today. And I, and I had an excuse. Today I was like, I'm not going to do it today. I'm tired, whatever. But I was just so turned up on this information that I uncovered that I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to do Popcorn Power. I'm just going to, I'm going to commit to it and I'm just going to rock it out. Um, and I got some cool information. I got some sort of uh, unfortunate information because I don't like the way, I, don't, I, just, I just don't like uh, Stargate being on Amazon and I'm going to explain why. But first... How's everyone going? Oh, Boulevard Jones. How's the ankle, buddy? It is fine. Thank you. I think I just uh, sprained it. Also, Archmage Frey. Penny Thomas. Sidetrack. What's up, brother? It's late over there, isn't it? Jessica. And I'm sure there's more. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. First off, I love Stargate. I've loved Stargate uh, since it came out. I remember watching the movie uh, when I was, like, in my really, really early, probably, like, 11, 12 years old. And uh, thinking, wow, this is a really cool universe, man. Uh, I hope they make sequels. And they didn't. But then SG-1 came out. And I wasn't allowed to watch it. Because I was too young. And it was on Showtime. And there was nudity. Um, but a few years later... Um, I was old enough to partake, and I did. And I remember watching every single episode. Uh, I think I rented them from, like, Blockbuster. And then I started watching them live on Sci-Fi. And we watched it every week. Me and my buddies watched it every single week. Uh, we would watch it and re-watch it. Um, I literally bought a TiVo back then for the, for the sole purpose of recording the episodes. Um, I just loved it. And I watched it all the way through. Um, I watched it all the way through until the end uh, universe. I even watched, I even signed up for Stargate Command, their failed streaming service. And uh, just so I can support it, and I got the t-shirt, I got the Stargate Command, Command t-shirt, although it's way too small for me now, because that was about 100 pounds ago. Um, and uh, I remember watching Origins and thinking... Wow, this this is pretty much just a web series. That's what it was. It was like these little five, ten minute little webs web webisodes. Uh, they weren't even at, when they first came out. They weren't even high quality. Like they were like really low quality, considering that you paid twenty bucks, you know, for the streaming service. And um, eventually, it came out as one film, if you, that's what you want to call it. And I bought that too. I actually bought it. I bought it like on iTunes and I bought it on Amazon. I'm sorry, uh, Android. I bought, I supported Stargate in every possible way. So when we started the channel, uh, Shane had not seen Stargate, right? And uh, I was like, listen, man, you gotta, you gotta watch Stargate, you know, uh, pop it in, you know, or turn it on, whatever. And he did eventually in our first big video like, our first, like, really big million-view video was um, the Stargate documentary. It was uh, 
basically the definitive history of Stargate, right? And that was like our big, our first big, like, we had a couple videos that hit 100,000, but no videos that hit a million. And that video hit a million. And it sort of um, defined our style for the channel. We were going to like, we were going to make these histories. We realize now that it's not as easy to make histories because they take like just months of work and it's just a lot of work. So we still do a, a history every, you know, maybe, maybe a history or two every year. But we focus more on, you know, uh, the episodic nature of news and what's coming up and that kind of stuff. But so we've been covering Stargate. And if you notice, if you've, if you've watched our videos, I'm sure you have, we haven't produced a Stargate video since January, I want to say. Yeah, January. Our last one was six months ago. And it was basically the news about how the Expanse uh, creators were throwing their hat in the ring for Stargate. And then something happened, okay? Something happened. We found out that pro the proposed budget for Stargate prior to the Expanse guys coming on was as low as a million dollars an episode, which sounds like a lot of money, uh, but it's not. Not for... Not for we're really not for anything now uh, in Hollywood, but specifically not for science fiction. And they, their proposal was probably more around $10 million an episode, which is also low, however, more reasonable. Um, it can totally be done. Um, in fact, Picard season three, which we loved, actually did shoot for about a million dollars an episode. And they, and he, and he did it. Although Terry Metalis is, you know, He's a genius, so... And plus, they already had the sets. It's the whole thing. Um, for Stargate, you would have to... It's an ensemble cast. You would have to bring a lot of people back. Um, you would have to build out sets, build Stargates, build SGC. Everything might be rebuilt. It would be a pretty big uh, endeavor. It would cost a lot more than a million dollars an episode. It would probably cost more than $10 million an episode, at least initially. And... That got me thinking, well, let, let's, if, if Amazon is saying that they only want to spend a million dollars an episode and it's, it's literally scaring away creators, what, what are they spending on other stuff? And so I went on this fact finding mission to find out what, what Amazon was paying for other things. And I ran in to a brick wall because Jen Salki. I don't know if you guys know who this is. And I might be saying this person's name wrong. I'm not good with names. Jen, Jen Salki, Jen Salki, whatever. Jen Salki is the head of Amazon Studios. She oversees all aspects of Amazon Studios. It's filmed, it's TV, everything. And while I was looking for this information, I saw this article from The Hollywood Reporter about where she's defending her, basically her failures. And um, I start I start getting this like deja vu. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure I, I remember hearing Kathleen Kennedy say the same exact thing. It's it's so weird. I remember Kathleen Kennedy saying almost the exact same, th same things. You don't 
get it. We're building a future. Blah, blah, blah. Now, so I went on some, I went, I started researching. I did some more research. And I'm, I'm freaking out here. Kyle, you're right. They spent half a billion dollars on rings of power. Okay. But it gets worse. $480 million on rings of power season one. She not only greenlit it, but when the idea came up, she also is the person who hired <laughs> hired the the people that made the show, the showrunners, who had almost no experience. But she hired them based on their connections. They they looked good. They had they had friends in Hollywood. Um, and that was an absolute bomb. In fact, on top of it, on top of that being a bomb, and 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 there's no way for us to tell because. What's really interesting is that that show was so bad, Amazon actually changed its policy on what their employees are allowed to see. So get this. Journalist journalist, uh, Kim Masters for The Hollywood Reporter noted, after Amazon, Jennifer Salke kept saying, uh, Rings of Power was our biggest viewed uh, uh, TV show. Uh, we had the most views in episode one out of anything else. What they didn't say was that there was a 73% drop off. So yes, it was the most viewed thing for the first two episodes. And then 73% of the people who started watching it didn't finish it. Okay. They didn't even finish the series. They, they never even went back and finished the series. Finished the series. What's crazy is when that report came out, Amazon literally limited the the viewership data that its internal employee, employees can see because they didn't want people to know that it was such a failure. Because these streaming services, they don't want the actual numbers getting out there, right? They don't want they don't want people to know how well a TV show did or didn't do. And the real, really the only way for us public people to know nowadays is the Nielsen charts. Nielsen charts uh, track uh, uh, viewership and engagements and, and you can, you can look at the Nielsen charts and see where, how, how something's doing. Even that information is sort of sus because the studio is not handing the information out. It's they're, they're, they're gathering it live, right? So on that note, uh, Picard season three actually cracked cracked the top ten of Nielsen. Other Star Trek shows have not done that. It's actually very hard to, tr- to to crack that list to get top ten. It's hard. So I'm going through again. I'm like, okay, so they spent four hundred eighty million dollars on Rings of Power. It never even touched the Nielsen list, and I had a seventy three percent drop off. Um, insane amount of money. What was our next project? Well. Let me give you a hint. It just wrapped up and it cost $250 million for one season. But when I say one season, am I talking about eight episodes, 10 episodes, 22 episodes like old school? No, no, no. One season, six, six, six episodes. 
$250 million. The show is called Citadel. It's a like a spy thriller. It's not even science fiction, man. It's it doesn't have a ton of CGI. It's uh there's no reason why this should cost $250 million for six episodes. Six episodes. What is that? Uh, $42 million an episode. The same people that were saying, wait a minute. No. I'm sorry, Expanse Bros. $10 million an episode is too much. Are spending $42 million per episode of Citadel. Over $65 million for every episode of Rings of Power. Okay, it gets better. Let's find, and I, and I did, let's find a show. So basically Jennifer Selke was um, brought on in 2018, I believe. 2000, no, 2019, actually. No, 2018. So Jennifer Selke was brought on on 2000, uh, 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 to Amazon as the head of studio in 2018. Well, what has come out since 2018, right? What's 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 been impressive? Well, there's a couple hits, a couple Amazon hits that came out that were directly tied to Jennifer Selke. Jack Ryan premiered August 31, 2018. Except for that's not. And she and she attributes Jack Ryan's success to herself, but she wasn't hired. She was actually hired in August. The show started shooting in 2016. She didn't greenlit that. She didn't greenlight it. She didn't hire the producers. The the she didn't foresee that you know oversee that in any way. Had nothing to do with her. She's doing the thing that a lot of U.S. presidents do, where they they take credit for the previous guy's uh, hard work because things take time. Right. Uh, same with the terminal list. So Jack Ryan and the terminal list are bona fide hits. Both shows she takes credit for. Both sh- both shows started filming before she even got there. Okay. So what else? Daisy Jones and the Six, The Power, which oh my god that was garbage. Dead Ringers and the Peripheral. I like the peripheral, but each show costs more than a hundred million dollars for six to eight episodes. Every one. So based on that budget, why every single show she's put out, she's created so far has over, have, has over at least a hundred million dollars budget for a short season, six to eight episodes. Wheel of Time, 200, 200 plus million dollars for the season. Wait a minute. Worse, what happened to the Conan, Conan, uh, Conan the Barbarian show? There was going to be a Conan, Conan the Barbarian show. They actually uh, were advertising it. People were, were excited about it. Well, that was, that was talked about. That was greenlit before Jennifer Selke got there. So when she did get there, she canned it. She said, and I quote, Conan is too much of a toxic male archetype. 
and she replaced Conan the, Conan the Barbarian with Wheel of Time. $280 million. Failed miserably. Didn't didn't crack any list. No one cared. You know, it dropped off. People watched the first couple episodes and gave up. Okay. What else? How did the power do? $180 million an episode for the season. Literally didn't crack a single list. Dead Ringers, nothing. Daisy Jones and the Six, nothing. Not only are these not even being watched, but they're not even... They're not even being critically received very well. So you have... You have a head of the studio that is... Just seems like she just uh, pilfered Jeff Bezos' credit card and she's on a spending spree, just spending a ridiculous amount of money. And everything she's producing, literally everything she's spending money on, is failing. Why? The showrunner she's hiring... She's hiring people that have social clout in Hollywood. She's not hiring people that are right for the job. She's hiring people that will add to her that had to her or Amazon's social clout in Hollywood. And she's overspending. So I saw another article recently where they were they were talking about her overspending. And it's a, it's very odd. How Amazon won't pay its employees minimum wage in a lot of the states they're actually in. They won't even give. They won't even give uh, their own employees access to Prime. I'm sorry, I got to correct you, quick chat real quick. She was hired in April. She didn't actually come into the job until August. I should have I should have made that clear. So she didn't come into the job until August. Um. Okay, so it gets better or worse, however you want to see it. So Jennifer Salky, I'm not sure where I was. Oh, okay. Bottom line, let me just let me just let me just get back on point here. Bottom line is, Amazon is a thrifty company. Their executives aren't you know flying in first class, first class uh, plane tickets. They're not staying at fancy hotels. Um, their employees are pissing in bottles. They got deadlines. They have to rent their own trucks. It's a cutthroat company. When, when I found out that Amazon employees don't even get a Prime account, I was like blown away. It's a cutthroat company that wants to save every single penny. They have lobbied the business, I mean, the, the, the government. Uh, specifically the United States Postal System, to get lower rates on its shipping to the point where the U.S. Postal System had to raise the rates for regular people and smaller businesses in order to make up for the money it was losing by working for Amazon. The craziest thing about Amazon to me is how they somehow get into an industry and because they're so big and their weight is so heavy, they can throw that around and just do whatever they want. They got the U.S. postal system to ship their stuff at a loss. And for the life of me, I can't find out why USPS would even agree to that. 
I can't figure it out. Is there, do they have blackmail information on these people? Why would they agree to ship for Amazon at a loss? I can't figure it out. I've been trying to figure it out. Can't, I, I've researched it. There is no real reason, unless it's a political reason, for USPS to ship for Amazon, to work for Amazon at a loss. But what does that do to the rest of us? I'll tell you what. It raises our rates to ship. Small businesses have to pay more. It's it's like that. It's like when a company gets all of a sudden gets a part on its machine at a lower cost, and it can like push on those savings to their customers. Except for in reverse, it's the reverse of that, where we have to pay because a company is wrecking the postal system. So I'm saying all that in order to get this point across. Amazon is cutthroat. They save every single penny, every penny, until you get to Amazon Studios, where they just spend insane amounts of money. I mean, silly amounts of money. It doesn't, doesn't even matter. Well, check out this. At Sundance, Jennifer Salke spent $50 million, $50 million for the rights to three films that haven't even aired yet. $20 million to Jordan Peele, Donald Glover, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Why would you give them all this money? Well, I'll tell you why. It's an upfront deal, which means that Jordan Peters, Peel, Peterson, sorry, Peel, gets $20 million to bring ideas to Amazon for TV shows. Same with Donald Glover, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I think Jordan Peele is a great creative. I think Donald Glover is a great creative. I have, I mean, I was going to say no opinion of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but after seeing her, seeing her in Indiana Jones, I didn't like her. But these people, among others, are getting upfront deals where for 20 to $50 million a person, they have to come up with ideas for Amazon. These are not, this is not 20 to $50 million for them to produce the idea. No, just come up with the idea. So basically, Jordan Peele has to, has to pitch a TV show, a couple TV shows ideas. A TV shows, TV show ideas. Now, here's the crazy part. The funding that they accepted in an agreement for them to basically bring their best ideas to Amazon for TV shows. However, it's been five years and not a single one of those people, not a single one has yielded a single project Every single one of those people have yet to bring a single project to Amazon. We're talking about almost a billion dollars in spending here on things that haven't happened. Yet, wait for it. $10 million an episode for Stargate's too much. Okay. Okay. So... 
I'm looking more and more into Jennifer Salke, and I'm starting to realize that she just probably doesn't know what she's doing. Maybe she's a good executive uh, outside of TV and film, uh, but in the in Hollywood, she is getting absolutely wrecked. She is getting taken to the bank. They're taking her behind the woodshed and they are giving it good to her good. She is not getting what she's paying for. So I did this thing where I was criticizing like Rings of Power. Initially, I was criticizing Rings of Power for, or I was criticizing the, the creatives behind Rings of Power, the writers, uh, the showrunners. Um, same with like uh, The Power and Dead Ringers. And I'm realizing that it's not really their fault. They brought the idea to Jennifer Salky. Jennifer Salky said, awesome, here's all the money you need. And they produced crappy ideas. Now, I'm not a fan of the creatives that did it, but in, in, in regards to Amazon's failure, I'm blaming the person that greenlit the ideas. Now, if there was a spattering of good ideas here, if, let's say... Four out of ten of these TV shows and movies or deals with creatives had actually panned out, had actually produced some kind of fruit. Then I would give her the benefit of the doubt. She's figuring it out, whatever. But so far, the only two things that have actually given any kind of return or fruit to Amazon is the terminal list. And Jack Ryan. Now, I like the peripheral and I liked Reacher, but it didn't, it just didn't break break the Nielsen list, and it didn't have the viewership it should have. So I go, okay. If everything this person's doing is a failure, she's not willing to spend money on Stargate for some reason. I don't think that she is very interested in what Stargate has to offer. They're not returning Brad Wright's calls. They didn't, they're just ignoring him altogether. They are talking about Stargate. In fact, and I've talked to some of these people, but here's a, here's a public tweet from Joe Malazzi. This is a screenshot, but same thing. Uh, Joe Malazzi is, one of the co-producers of Amazon, he said, Amazon is definitely planning a new series. He goes on to say, to be fair, none of the original teams involved, so no t- telling what we get. That was in March. Um, and there's some things that I can't talk about right now. Uh, some rumors that I'm still substantiating. But what I'm hearing, there is a Stargate that is being produced, but it is not what we want. It's not what the fans want. It is going to be lower budget. I can't really seem to, I can't wrap my head as to why, except for that maybe Jennifer Salky just doesn't like Stargate. Um, She's more interested in hiring people that will, that will add to Amazon's social clout versus making actual good content. Um, Remember, if you were a Netflix viewer, back in the day, there was a there was a while there where Netflix was producing a lot of like Oscar bait stuff. And I think that someone in charge over there at some point were like, we need to be successful by by getting on the same level as Hollywood. Let's produce things that are Oscar worthy. Well, that died out, thankfully. And I think that we're in this 
this time period, this meta, whatever you want to call it, with Amazon, where Jennifer Salke, who could, who maybe she's a competent executive, um, but she's not a competent studio head, and I think she's trying to figure out, and she's getting bad advice, or she doesn't really care, um, and she thinks that she's doing the right thing. In fact, watching this, reading this article from Deadline. Um, they actually question her. It says Amazon Studios chief admits studio lost mayor of Easton in negotiation talks future strategy for global movies. Well, there's a, a weird, a weird uh, statement she says in this article. Uh, she goes, so you're going to, you, you are going, you're going to see us lean, see us lean into more of a bigger movie strategy around various types of content. That will be global. Stay tuned for international growth, which is coming. We're hoping really to expand our global home for talent and success we've been building so far. This is the interesting part. So I'm encouraging younger and newer talent and new voices or even voices who haven't been discovered which is fine except for that sounds like what you're doing is you're spending a bunch of money for someone like Phoebe Waller-Bridge to come up with an idea but then you hire a bunch of cheap people to actually create the product that's what it sounds like like you spend a bunch of money on Lord of the Rings but then you hire new young people that have no idea what they're doing to then create your $500 million series. They won't, they won't hire Brad, Wright. They won't even return his calls. Um, they're, they're constantly looking for new people. Uh, two people that were, that were connected to Amazon have deals with Amazon, wanted to create Stargate, but their proposals were too expensive. Ten million dollars an episode, which is not according according to the history, ten million is not too expensive. In fact, it's it's cheap compared to to the rest of the stuff you're creating. So my point here is that as long as the studio, as long as uh, Jennifer Salke is in charge of the studio, I do not know. I do not know if it's possible for us to get Stargate we want, which means I would almost rather us not do Stargate right now. I would almost rather we wait until someone else is in charge. Look at happened with with uh with Star Wars and Indiana Jones now. Kathleen Kennedy was put in charge. There's some good stuff about Star Wars, but for the most part, it's a mess. Not only does no one like it, but it actually retroactively hurts the characters we did love. It somehow retroactively hurts movies and, and, and Star Wars content that we loved before. And it wastes a ton of money. Um, Indiana Jones, same thing. So... If you can go back in time and say, hey, Disney, now that you own 
Star Wars. Uh, do you want to create it now with Kathleen Kennedy in charge? Or would you want to wait until someone like uh, Dave Filoni was in charge? You know, someone who actually cared about the product. I don't think Jen Salki cares about this product. I think that she is more interested in putting Amazon Studios in the same uh, breath as, you know, other more established studios than creating content um, that is successful. And looking at this article, it's sort of telling. It's from The Hollywood Reporter. It's inside Amazon Studios, big swings hampered by confusion and frustration. Despite ambitious bets like Daisy Jones and the Six and the upcoming Citadel, this was back in April, insiders complain that there's still no vision for what an Amazon Prime show is. But Chief Jennifer Salki says they are missing the point. You don't reverse engineer true creative vision. I think she's missing the point on what that statement is. You have to have a vision on where you want to go with your studio, on what your plan is. You don't actually have to reverse engineer Lord of the Rings, but you got to have a a flow chart. You got to have a plan on 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 where you want it to go, who you, who you need to hire. There needs to be some kind of spreadsheet out there with with the your overall goal for a studio. What a ridiculous notion. So it goes on and says, it's been, it's long uh, been an open secret that Jeff Bezos has yearned for his own Game of Thrones and that Amazon's big swing, swing has reached for its own massive hit with Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, and uh, believed to be the most expensive series ever made. Last September, the show began with a bang, delivering the biggest debut ever on the streamer in what Amazon Studios, Studios chief Jennifer Salke called a very culturally culturally defining moment. <laughs> it was culturally defining. As in it got roasted. It got roasted for three weeks straight. When the season one when season one wrapped, the show was less defining than hoped, falling short of being the breakout hit that Amazon had envisioned. So yeah, well, because in order for it to be a breakout hit, it would have to be one of the most watched shows ever. <laughs> It would have to be the watch show on Amazon. It would have to be like Game of Thrones level. While Amazon, like other streamers, provides only limited data, and internally it held information even more closely than closely than usual on the series, sources confirmed that the Lord of the Rings had a 37% domestic completion rate, as in only 37% of the people who watched the show finished the series. 37% of the people who watched it actually finished it. Overseas, it did, did better. It reached 40, 45%. Whatever. According to Salki, the series has worked. It hasn't. See, she, she's either huffing copium um, or, or, she's just, or, or, or she's being dishonest. The series not only didn't work, but it lost them a ton of money. They didn't get any new subscribers from it. Any conversions they did get were not because of Lord of the Rings. It was in spite of. The 
The, this, this desire to paint a show as anything less... Look, this is what she says. This desire to paint the show as anything less than successful is not reflective of any conversion I'm having internally. Okay, show us. Show us. Because the only numbers we do have are completely negative. It, could, it couldn't be a positive thing. I, I mean, did... Did you sell a bunch of Lord of the Rings DVDs from people that watched Rings of Power, perhaps? I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to finish this. Bottom line is it, it wasn't successful. She's, uh, she's, she's, being dis- she's being dishonest or disingenuous. One of the two. Um, this was great. I'll read this part. So it, it, remember, it bought MGM for $8.5 billion. Well, a veteran producer at MGM said there's been no real sense of what the philosophy is. So all these all these um, producers and like veteran directors and, and showrunners are asking, well, what's the philosophy? What's the plan? And she's like, we don't have a plan. You can't you can't plan creativity. That's just not. That's just not uh, realistic. Not realistic. Um, so my point with this is as long as Jennifer Salky is in charge at Amazon, Amazon studios, I would almost rather there not be a Stargate because her own ideology is going to force Stargate to check a bunch of, bunch of boxes, but even worse, the people that will be hired won't be fans or more more than likely won't be fans they won't be people that will take care of it love it and create it with the respect it deserves instead i believe that you will get some glossy under budget you know a uh, low budget nonsense like and i'm sorry but like stargate origins that just gets dropped on the MGM Plus as a way to fool some Stargate fans into getting MGM uh, MGM Plus. And um, I mean, it sucks, but these are facts. Like Jennifer Salky has not produced has not produced a single win since she got there. Every single thing that she has produced um, has been unsuccessful. Has everything has been not only unsuccessful financially but it's been for the most part uh, uh critically um uh unloved most pe- most of what she has created so far has you know and her and her plan her whole entire vision isn't really there so she's hiring people that don't really that that don't really have the experience necessary to produce what they're producing. Um, and Stargate is such an important thing. Like there is a lot of lore in Stargate. There's a lot of information. There are a lot of characters, a lot of people, a lot of things that we love that will need to be a part of it. And if you don't hire someone who understands it, you're going to get Alex Kurtzman 2.0, 100%. If you don't hire someone who understands 
that much of the universe and how expansive it is and the reason why people love it, you're going to get Star Trek Discovery. You're going to get Rings of Power. Um, but even worse than Stargate, Star Trek Discovery and Rings of Power, you're going to get those things, but at a low budget. I've said this for a long time. At the very least, uh, Rings of Power looked pretty. It was, it was a good-looking show. Um, but the story was bad. The, it didn't it didn't add up. There were so many inconsistencies that were that not only negatively affected the lore, but it just didn't make any sense. It was a bad TV show. It was written poorly. The only thing good about it was the cinematography. So they must have spent uh, four hundred eighty seven million dollars on the graphics because that was that was the only thing that looked decent to me. And I don't want Stargate. I don't want Star uh, a, a Star Trek Discovery version of Stargate. I don't want Rings of Power Stargate. I don't want Wheel of Time Stargate. I don't want shows that are going to spend a bunch of money, uh, you know, just to preach at preach at us. I want I want I want shows. I want a Stargate that is based on the story that continues the legacy of Stargate in the in the universe that we're in. That it pays homage to the characters that we already love, and that continues that that wonderful story. Um. And like I said, I'm not even sure that the that they would give the budget that it would need in order to get there because their initial numbers were a million dollars an episode, which is way too low. They turned down the Expanse creators because their proposal was $10 million an episode. So all around, like, I, don't, I just don't see anything good about any of this. I see them not wanting to spend money on Stargate they're more interested in these fantasy shows or these spy thrillers um, than you know than continuing a franchise. Um, and even if they were interested in spending that money, if you look at her track history, she's gonna hire the wrong people. She she does not have an eye for for talent. Um, she is somehow conned into creating these really horrible shows. And I think her personal philosophy is right alongside Alex Kurtzman and and Kathleen Kennedy in the sense where she doesn't really care about the property, the franchise, the fans, and she cares more um, about checking boxes and building Hollywood clout. And I think it's a bad move. And while I love Stargate with all my heart, and I would... I would love to see a new Stargate. Man, man, I would I would sign up for MGM Plus just to see a trailer. I think I don't want another franchise that I love to be destroyed. And I hate to say it, man. Um like I said it last week, I love Star Trek. Like it was my first sci-fi show. It was what prepared me for Stargate. And Star Trek has gone in such a negative direction that it's so difficult for me not to be negative even when there's even when there's good things on screen. I was shocked at how good Picard season three was. I didn't even know it was possible to make me feel that way about Star Trek again. The second it ended, I remember feeling this overwhelming sense of dread because the next thing up was Strange New World Season 2. 
And I knew the people involved in that. And I knew their philosophy. And I knew they didn't really care about the about the franchise the way we do. And it's not bad. It is Star Trek. But it's not... It doesn't make me feel the same um, as Star Trek. It doesn't make me... It doesn't make me wonder. It doesn't make me emotional. It doesn't make me love the characters. It just sort of is. And if you like it, that's cool. But it's just... it's To me, it's like discount Star Trek. Um, and recently we found out that it's it's completely alternate timeline, which is probably why. That's probably why it's discount Star Trek. I couldn't get it behind it. Um, but for me, that entire franchise, unless they, unless they completely course correct and Terry Metalis comes in to start making Star Trek, which I don't think is going to happen, um, it's going to continue on this path and they're going to keep making this garbage. They're going to make Strange New World Season 2, Season 3, um, then... Starfleet Academy with giant Tilly as the professor or whatever. Um, and probably some kind of Giorgio section 31 show or miniseries or movie that's goes direct to streaming. There's going to keep on this path of just sort of utter destruction and generic science fiction. It's all generic modern day science fiction that is hell bent on checking boxes and more concerned with mental health and genders than actually telling a proper story. Oh, we got a super chat from Rec Thoughts. What's up, brother? Hey, man, just gonna say hi. I wish you a good evening. I got some editing to do, but listening to you in the background, brother, cheers and look up. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, Rec. Good luck with editing. This guy's a good editor. Uh, he sent me a um, a single cut copy of the card. It was wonderful. Um, okay, so so that's Star Trek. Now, what's what's next? What was the next franchise? Star Wars. So I, I went from my first TV, my first love of science fiction was 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 Star Trek, and then and then Star Wars, and I watched Star. Uh, sorry, I watched Star Star Wars, the original movies. I was into it. I wanted to be a Jedi. I made my own lightsabers, my own R two D D two R two droids, and I read all the books. I remember I read about the. Han Solo's twins, and I read hundreds of books. I read hundreds of books on Star Trek too. I read all the extended material, and then I got to start Stargate, and and those things had prepared me for this for the for my favorite thing, which is Stargate. But Star Wars was also ruined. They hired the wrong people. I don't even think J.J. Abrams is a bad creator. I think that he never finishes anything. He literally comes into a project and gets bored and he puts he puts someone else in charge and leaves. He came into the TV show Lost, created all these mystery box boxes, and then split. He he did uh, episode seven and then walked away. Kathleen Kennedy has the same problem that Jennifer Salky has in the sense where she hires the wrong people. She hired uh, Ryan Johnson who wanted to make a World War II movie. Quite literally, Ryan Johnson came to her and said, I want to make a World War II war movie. She goes, how about you make Star Wars? And that's what he made. He made Star Wars, and you can actually see like the classic bombers from World War II in the movie. And it didn't work. Ryan Johnson made the movie... Before 
episode seven had even finished shooting. So he's making episode eight. He doesn't even know the ending for episode seven yet. It, it's bad management. I'm not saying it's Ryan Johnson's fault, but you hired the wrong guy. And he didn't even know what he was making. When he came to Kathleen Kennedy and said, you know, uh, well, what's the plan? You know, what's what's uh, what's the sequel supposed to be about? You know, give me a, a guideline. She goes, just do what you want. You can't treat franchises with this much history so flippantly. You have you have to give them respect. Christopher Mays says, "How does Stream Hero work today, Brian? Can you compare the Groundhog Day episode of TNG and SG One? Explain why SG One is the best one." Sure. Uh, there's no Stream Hero today. I'm sorry, brother. No Stream Hero today. I just didn't. I didn't load it up. But uh, any super chats will be will be accounted and put on the board for this this Thursday. Yeah. So uh, I think you're talking about window of opportunity. That episode was so good. I remember watching that on DVD actually first. Um, uh, that that moment where Hammond knocks on the window and Jack and Tilk are playing golf through the gate. And he goes, I love this. He goes, uh, <laughs> how many miles, how, how many feet is that? He's like, several billion on the only. He's like, that must be a record. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, right in the middle of my backswing. That was a great episode. I love that episode so much. Um, not only do I think it's one of the best time loop uh, episodes uh, from out of any science fiction, I think it's one of the best time loop episode, uh, you know, episodes or stories in most media. Like, People call it Groundhog Day for reference because Groundhog Day was famous for that. But it's better than Groundhog Day. I also think um, Happy Death Day, which is another time loop kind of story, is better than Groundhog Day. In fact, I would even... Maybe it's possible that Window of Opportunity was so good that it might have fueled my love of the time loop genre... Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but Adam Adam Sandberg was in this movie called Palm Springs. Great little science fiction film. Doesn't look like it's going to be a science fiction time loop movie, but it ends up being one, and it's really rad. Uh, Another movie is called Boss Mode, and it's a time loop movie. Has Mel Gibson's the bad guy. Great movie. Um, And then, like I said before, Happy Death Day. There's a lot of really special time loop movies and TV shows, but there's also a lot of really bad ones, which I, which I don't even, I won't even talk about, but I think window of opportunity might have, might have actually fueled my love of the time loop genre. I think it might've, and I'll tell you why it's better because it's pure. The entire thing was, was, was the loop. That's what made it so special. There wasn't a bad guy and window of opportunity, the guy that was, that was doing, that was causing the, the time loop was just trying to save his daughter, his family. Imagine that there's a TV show where there isn't a protagonist or I'm sorry, an antagonist. It isn't a bad guy. It's just a guy trying to save his family and he made a mistake and they have to, oh man, that show is so good. They have to convince him to let his family go. 
so that the rest so that the rest of the universe or whatever whatever portion of gates he was affecting uh, wouldn't be stuck in this loop. Was it his wife? Maybe it was his wife, not his daughter. It's been a while. Uh, but whatever it was, let's just say his loved one. The bad guy wasn't actually a bad guy. It was a guy doing what any of us would do. We're trying to save someone we love. And he didn't really know, even know the harm he was causing, the real harm. Um, and it's such a, such a wonderful story. A lot of science fiction has forgotten that. Like we, a lot of stories have. Like there doesn't need to be a bad guy every time. It doesn't. There needs. There doesn't need to be an antagonist every time. Inner Light, one of the greatest TNG episodes, or one of the greatest episodes of TV. There was no bad guy. It was a story, and the story not only was wonderful and heartbreaking and heart heartwarming at the same time it also expanded the character that is Picard it expanded the character that was the main character of the show um, and it gave him something to think about forever great um, there there doesn't always need to be a bad guy I, I said the same thing on Strange New Worlds I was so irritated with the courtroom drama everyone was saying oh it's great We're this feels like Star Trek it didn't feel like Star Trek to me it felt like freaking Boston legal was 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 Starfleet uniforms. Get out of here. Felt like the practice was with a Starfleet courtroom. It felt it was stupid, and it treated the audience like we were dumb. And all of a sudden, the Romulan, the sorry, the Vulcan guy gets gets up, and he has to be so mustached, mush, mustache twirling mean, because the 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 studio or the writers or the showrunner thinks. That the audience requires an antagonist. In order for there, there to be a message, there has to be a good guy and a bad guy. And it's so silly to me. It do, There doesn't have to be a good guy and a bad guy. You need to focus on the story. The latest episode of Strange New Worlds was infuriating. I know you guys liked it. I'm glad you did. But I didn't. And I'll tell you why. I didn't like it. Because there didn't need to be a bad guy. The poor guy that was left there on the planet, he didn't have to be bad. Maybe he co-opted the, the, the planet for his own purposes. Maybe he, uses, maybe he used Starfleet crap to survive, whatever. But the show didn't have to be about him being the bad guy. He didn't have to be this like evil villain. It just didn't need to be. The, the 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 story could have been about the old man who was, you know, uh, locked out of knowing that he has a, a family. Or it could have been about the people involved. It could have been a mind-expanding story that explains how actions have consequences. And sometimes those consequences are unforeseen. Maybe he doesn't know the damage he's doing. And when he finds out, you know, he feels bad. Whatever it is, it just it it didn't hit the mark. It was so ridiculously generic to me. It's Star Trek, but it was like let's take like ten crappy Star Trek shows that have all done the same thing, prime directed, blah blah blah, and let's let's push them all into the same story. To make it worse, I read the comic book comic book version of that already, and the comic book was better. How do you take something already written and somehow make it worse? Get out of here! It's crazy. 
So for me, it's not cutting it. Uh, the best episode was episode three with Lon and Kirk. I mean, entertaining wise. And even that on rewatch, you're like, oh crap, this is actually not good. And actually, and actually negatively affects the entire Star Trek universe. The one time I like Laon, and it's the one time we see her completely wrecking the entire timeline. And I, I, I can't help but think that there was a major oversight in this show. In episode three, she left a loaded gun on the nightstand beside Khan. The same gun that shot like four people on the way in is sitting on the nightstand next to Khan. What happens when security gets there and they walk into Khan's room and he's sitting there holding the loaded, literally smoking gun that just killed four guards? I don't know. Like either, either that's really good writing and they're going to pay that off at some point or it's really bad writing and they're not going to pay it off. Or even worse, it's bad writing and Laon's going to be the reason why Khan is such a bad guy because she left the gun there and he witnessed her like zip out of existence. It's crazy. I don't, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it just didn't work. Didn't work. Um, sorry. I can't, I can't help, but like, I'm a Trekkie, you guys. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sci-fi guy. I might watch it once or twice, but like I watch it multiple times. I look for all the problems and there's a lot of problems with current Star Trek. If you watch it in the background or while you're eating and you don't pay attention very much, I get it. It could be entertaining. Everyone in Strange New Worlds is like unbelievably attractive for some reason. Like they're all just so hot. I mean, I can get that being entertaining for that reason and it's in the start. It's a Star Trek show, and it's okay. But there's so many little things that just don't add up. And the longer you watch it, the more those little things just keep compounding and compounding until even if there's a really good episode that's like rock solid, it's so hard to like it because it's you've already compounded all the garbage on top of me. <sighs> episode one. The fact that Let's just go, I, I don't know how this turned into a Strange New Worlds thing, but like, let's just talk about it real quick. In episode one, Spock steals... I'm sorry, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Spock steals the ship based on a short message from an ex-crewmate, Lon. He steals the ship. It's super convenient the way he does so. And he heads off. And he gets lucky that Lon was right and something fishy was going on. What if he got there? And her warning was just paranoia. And there was nothing fishy going on. They would have started a war after stealing the Enterprise while the captain of the ship was away. Why didn't Spock call Pike and get his opinion? Why didn't he talk about it for longer than five minutes? Everyone just agreed immediately, right? So they get lucky. There is actually a problem. There is someone trying to create a Federation vessel to, to, to start a fake war with the Klingons because war is profitable. I get it. We get it, guys. War is bad. 
That is a tired message. We already know that war is bad. You don't have to keep putting that in, in, in as a message to your viewers. But if it's there, that's fine. Whatever. Well, they're unsuccessful because uh, Spock blows up the ship that's trying to start the war. Blah, blah, blah. When they get back, he contacts Admiral April and Admiral April's like, don't ever do that again. Your punishment's going to be your fucking hangover. The fact that an admiral told not even the first officer of the ship, like the the acting first officer, he just literally like smacked him on the wrist and said, don't do that again. If I was Spock, and I'm not, but if I was in that position, I would have been like, me not being punished is illogical. It makes no sense. I would know that something was up. I would assume that April had been taken over by changelings or something. Something is off. But he just sort of writes it off because they they need the audience to write that off. The fa- I know they explain it a little bit when they go, we can't have two fights on two. Uh, we can't have a fight on both 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 fronts because they can't fight the Klingons and the Gorn or whatever. But it was still bad. Not not because April said that, but because Spock should have known something was up. Spock is brilliant. He should know immediately that something is up. Like the fact that he that he just shrugs it off is disrespectful to the character. Uh, super chat from Jessica Tennis. Gravity in space didn't work. Say it ain't so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's uh, episode nine of uh, Star Wars. When you had the slow movie bombers, and he's he's gonna he's gonna fly over, he's gonna fly over the star destroyers or whatever they're called, cruisers, gonna fly over the bad guys, and they're gonna release the bombs, and the bombs are gonna fall onto the ship. I have so many problems with that. First off, why the F do they have to move so slow? Is it because they're heavy? In space? They're they're heavy? They're moving the way like a slow bomber plane would move and it has to have the little planes next to it to like protect it? You need um, all these little fighters around to protect the bombers that were... But they're moving so slow. Why doesn't the Star Destroyer just leave? Why did they hyperspace in so far away? If they can only move so slow. Move faster. Or hyperspace in uh, closer. But ultimately, why are they moving so slow? Why? I don't get it. And then they need to drop the bombs. They're in space. What do you mean drop the bombs? They're in space. Wait. There's no gravity in space. You're going to drop the bombs into what? The bombs should have went like this. And just floated under the atmosphere. The wild, wild thing, man. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for getting me on that note. Oh, God, it was so stupid. So stupid. Okay. Back to Strange New World. 
I want to abandon my point on that. So he steals the ship. He gets lucky. He gets back. And April's like, no, bad Vulcan. Okay? Now, now go back to the bar. And he slaps him on the wrist. And end of the show. In the second episode, during the courtroom drama, Laon, who they rescued from the planet, comes up to Ahura and says, I need to see the personal logs for the crew so I can determine, you know, uh, who who uh, framed or who talked to Starfleet about Una. Ohura, with a straight face, says, I'm sorry, sir. That would be against protocol. And what they're saying is, privacy is really important. That's the message, right? Privacy is important. We can't dox anyone. That's fine. It's a fine message. Except for Ahura is the one who got the message from, at the time, ex-Starfleet Laon about the Klingon plot and brought it to Spock and then agreed to steal the Enterprise within minutes of that message. So, that would be against protocol. Privacy is more, more important. Than, than this friend, right? And maybe it is. But bottom line is, and privacy is important. It's not, it's, not, it's not the same as stealing the Enterprise. But bottom line is, this is the person who was gung-ho to not just break protocol, but break the law, like steal the ship on based on a short message from an ex-Starfleet member and then, and then possibly start a war. But she wasn't willing to give some private logs to La'an. Here's the crazy part is. You didn't need to have that scene. You can cut that entire B-plot out with La'an. A B-plot out with La'an. And the story wouldn't be affected at all. At all! They They added in there for some purpose. Either they needed to get... Maybe Laon has maybe the uh, Christina Chung, the person that plays Laon, has like in her contract she has to be in every show, or maybe they were trying to show that they're they take privacy seriously because that's a talking point. I don't know, but it was just worthless and it just it just made the whole thing right then. It's like oh that's sort of stupid. From Orville Nation, I completely associate Captain Pike with food preparation now. Yeah, yes, watching him makes me want to go to the fridge. I know. Oh, the other day someone was like, listen, uh, what's your problem with Pike cooking? I think cooking is sexy. I mean, it's like Picard with his tea or coffee with her Janeway. No, it's not. A, ca- a, a, a captain having a quirk like Earl Grey, hot, or Janeway, coffee, is not the same as every time you see him, he's in an apron cooking. And it wouldn't bother me if it wasn't every episode. Every episode. Like, it wouldn't be a problem if it wasn't so excessive. At this point, I think it's it's just cooking with Pike. I, I, I hate even complaining about it because it seems like something that shouldn't be complained about. But it's it's just... 
why is it so excessive? It's a if you have a quirk for a captain, why is it cooking? Why is it the elaborate act of cooking a meal? You know? It's so odd. And the other day I missed the ending of uh of the fourth of the Lotus Eaters episode. Because I was watching a stupid screener and I guess my screener got cut off. And um I got a lot of ship up for that, by the way. But I went back to make sure my screeners were the same as the other episodes. And they are. It was just that one screener, because it was so close to the end, I didn't get that portion of it. So, on that same note, it's like, the uh, well, someone said the editing is like so random. It's bad editing. There's, there's a lot of problems with the show, and, and the problems just sort of add up and add up and add up. Same with Star Wars. Same with um, the Mandalorian, same with Boba Fett, all these things we love are just like, just like they, the problems just sort of add up and add up and add up and add up and add up. I don't want to feel the same about Stargate. Like, I don't want to sit here in like two years and be like, okay, guys, let's talk about episode three. What was that? I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the guy crapping on a new Stargate series because I feel like I will. I feel like I'll be that guy. And I don't know how to solve the problem, but like, I don't want to also don't want to be one of those guys that goes like, don't make it at all. Then the, the original was fine. Cause like, look, you have the original and you, even if it's bad, you at least have like the original to go back to. But then we saw recently that Star Trek Strange New Worlds is actually actually retroactively changing. I mean, not in my mind, but like story-wise, they're changing like the whole canon. So it's, it almost makes it worse because now like the established canon is that Khan, uh, the eugenics wars didn't happen and Khan is this and there's, um, there's other things that have become established canon now that just don't track with what, what, what we already watched. So... I would almost rather there not be a Stargate in the sense where I don't want it to mess up what I already love, right? It's it's a really hard thing because, like, on one hand, I want I want to I want to I want to see what they do, but if if Stargate has gotten so bad at some points where it actually retroactively hurt what it happened before, same with Star Wars, which means that. The same can happen to Stargate, and I'm like, eh, maybe not. And that's another note. Because the shows are so bad, it starts to hurt the viability of the franchise as a whole. Like, Star Trek has gotten less popular since the, since New Trek. Why is that? Why has Star Trek become less popular? Because... There's more people crapping on it, which has this like compound effect where even the old stuff starts to become less watched. Like you can literally kill a franchise off by overproducing garbage. You can. And they've been overproducing garbage. They've been overproducing Star Wars stuff, overproducing Star Trek, and I just don't want the same for Stargate. I think I'll hurt it. All right, Christopher Mays, 499. 
Pike cooking is sexy, much like Troy and Crusher in their sexy yoga clothes. Stop hitting. Okay? Fine. Then I want to go back and I want them to be in their sexy yoga clothes at the start of every episode, Chris. If, if, if that's the argument, then I want to see them in their sexy yoga clothes. I, I Just have them open the show talking about what's to come. Working out in sexy yoga clothes. If that's the case, because once or twice, fine. Four times, sure. Every single episode. Jesus. It's excessive. And it's even mad, more maddening that it's a, st- I think it's a stupid thing to complain about, but it's like, it's becoming a meme. Like it's, 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 it's a meme at this point. I'm just p- picturing him with a stupid apron. Anyways, I don't want it to happen to Stargate, man. I just, uh, I don't want uh, Stargate to, like, we. everyone loves Stargate. I don't want them to come out with a show that is so bad that it hurts the general viability of this wonderful franchise. And I believe that it would be easier, or I'm sorry, safer, if Jennifer Salky wasn't a part of Amazon when they did decide to create Stargate. I believe that Jennifer Salky is basically discount Kathleen Kennedy. You know? The Wish version of Kathleen Kennedy. She's just another version of Kathleen Kennedy who is more concerned with garbage tier, trash tier, uh, box, uh, box checking, and her Hollywood clout. And she's gonna hire people that will give her the clout she needs and they will they will skimp on the stuff that is actually important and it makes no sense in fact i'll tell you if you want proof they'll skip on stargate i'll give you proof okay when they were going to when they were initially planning on greenlighting stargate with that first writer as the as the sort of announcement ahead of MGM plus to set that up Stargate was in beautiful 16, nine aspect ratio, uh, high definition. They had put all the good Stargate all of a sudden on Amazon, on, on, on Amazon, on prime had like the best Stargate. It was great. And then that deal fell through. And the second that deal fell through, like within months they removed the high quality versions and they and they dropped the old SD versions back up. It's it's a wild thing. It's a it's a it's a wild, wild thing. Uh one more thing from GateWorld. And I do want I do want to bring this up. <laughs> I can't figure it out. Like, why would you remove? The only thing I can think of, the only thing I can think of as to why you would remove um, the high-definition version of Stargate and leave the SD was maybe for, like, maybe it's cheaper to stream the... I mean, it is cheaper to stream lower-quality content. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. All right, so this is from um, GateWorld. 
In the age of prestige streaming shows, of course, it's not uncommon for high-profile series to get a much larger budget to go along with an order for a fewer episodes. Shows like The Boys, for example, comes with a $10 million per episode budget. Is the Stargate IP strong enough to command that number? Well, stop for a second. First off, if The Boys is strong enough to command that number, Stargate's strong enough to command that number. What a, what a silly question. Um, he goes on to say, I don't think that you can come with, this is a quote, I don't think you can come in with a Stargate and say, we're going to do 10 to 15 million per episode. But I don't know if Mark Fergus and his partner Hawk are the ones doing it. My guess is it'll be close to that 10 million an episode in their pitch. Because that's where they've, that's what they've done. And that's what they know. And that's what, what they know makes it look good. Now, that quote, I went and actually asked 15 times about that quote. And I did get confirmation that their initial pitch or their idea, and which is why it didn't go forward, was too expensive. So based on this information, if, if, they, if they did quote $10 million, then their pitch was too expensive for Amazon, which means Amazon thinks that $10 million an episode is too high. Now, it's totally possible that I'm wrong and my contact did say that they ended their pitch. Maybe they instead went through and they said $50 million an episode. Maybe they're looking at what all the other streaming, all the other shows that they're greenlighting are getting and they just went way too hard in the paint for their budget request. But if this quote is correct, then they did their pitch. It was $10 million an episode. And according to my guy, Amazon 100% turned them down because it was too expensive. So they turned down it being too expensive while spending $42 million an episode for Citadel. That, that's the math I'm going with. The math is they turned down Mark Fergus at $10 million because it was too expensive. Now, it's possible that they actually came in and asked for 50. I don't know what the exact number is. But I know that if you add take this quote along with, with, what, with what Amazon said about being too expensive, then it was 10 million, and 10 million is too expensive. Which is a wild thing. A wild, wild thing. Okay. So that's it. My my biggest my biggest gripe here is that I don't think that uh, Amazon I don't think that Jennifer Salky is going to take it seriously. I really don't. Um, I think Jennifer Salky is uh, is more interested in her Hollywood clout. I don't think Stargate's going to give her that. I think that there at some point there was a team that was behind MGM Plus that knew that they had a perfect MGM Plus opener on their hands with Stargate. And they tried to get that going. And Jennifer Salky just wasn't interested in paying the money required to make Stargate the MGM Plus driver. And now that MGM Plus is now moving on its own power, or at least it's up and running, it's entirely possible that those people are no longer pushing for Stargate. And I don't think that Jennifer Salky is either. I do know that there is something going on with Stargate. Um, and I can't say 
exactly what I know right now. Um, we do have a video coming out next week, hopefully about it. We're waiting on at least three of our sources to say we're allowed to talk about it because we don't want to get them in trouble. Um, what can I say here? Hold up. I just want to make sure I don't screw this up. All I can, okay, this is what I can say. I know that there is something coming. There is something in the works. And there is announcement that's, that is around the corner. I can't tell you what that is right now. Or from what, I can't tell you what I was told. And I can't tell you when I was told. I was told what it was and when. I don't want to get anyone. I, I can't until I'm until I'm told I can say it. I'm not gonna ruin my friendships. But when I I'm hope I'm I'm hoping that we get we get the green light to share with you certain data um, this week, and Shane can finish that script because we're planning on that video coming out at the end of this week. But from what I do know, it's not what we want. I can say that. And it's not who we want it for or from. I can say that. I could say that. And um, when I did get this information and we we started working on the video is when I started to look up this information. When I started to look into Jennifer Salke. And I must have read from comicbooks.com, Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, Variety, I read article after article of this person blaming fans for not watching something, blaming um, uh, creatives for not supporting it, spending money across, like money on money on money on, on this part of the business, but cutting budget on everything else, giving people like Phoebe Waller-Bridge $23 million for a first look deal, not getting anything for 15, 15 uh, for, sorry, for five years, but then turning around and firing almost 5,000 people that worked at the studio, also cutting a portion of the, of, of the MGM studio that was, and I quote, redundant. They have no problem spending money on, on stuff that does not matter. So when people say, Amazon has the budget to make an amazing uh, Stargate. Yeah, you're right. But they're not spending the money right. They didn't want to give the money they needed to, to launch an Amazon, I'm uh, uh, sorry, an, uh, an MGM Plus Stargate. And now that that's already happened, I don't think anyone's pushing for it. So what I do know is that the people that are involved with it still are not getting the support they need. I can't, I'm going to stop talking before I get in trouble. It's just, it's not a good thing. Jennifer Salke is not the right person. And when that announcement does happen, I'm not even sure if it's going to come to fruition. I don't even know if it will actually come up. Even if they do announce something, I'm not even sure if it will actually happen because, and it's very hard to explain, but that's all I can say right now. It's just not a good look. So here's my clothes. Ready? I would like to see a new Stargate show. 
but I don't want to see it done under Jennifer Salke. And I would rather wait until the right people are in charge until the right people are in charge until people with an eye for creative business can understand what's required to create this show. And I believe that we're in this position right now where some studios are starting to realize that throwing a bunch of money at a bunch of Hollywood fart sniffers aren't isn't a profitable endeavor and that you have to actually pay attention to what the fans want. But we're not there yet. We're really close. When we do get there and and we get to that sort of a new golden age of proper reboots and franchises done correctly, that's when I want to see Stargate done. I hope that Stargate dodges the same bullet that already took that is in the process of killing Star Trek and Star Wars. And just seeing this on its face, I don't see how it it wouldn't be the same bullet. I don't see how Jennifer Salke can produce or, or hire the correct people to produce a proper Stargate show. And I think it'll just be disappointing at best and like infuriating at least. I'm sorry, disappointing at least and infuriating at best. So, Jessica Tennis. The only reason I ever got Prime was to watch SG1. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't get Prime for that purpose, but like, I, I think I got Stargate Command just to, for the same reason. Like, I, I'll buy an entire streaming. Like, if you said that a new Stargate is going to be an MGM Plus, I will, I will purchase and dutifully pay for MGM Plus for the sole purpose of one day getting to watch another frame of Stargate. But studios don't really care about subscribers as much as they used to. They have other motives now because people are subscribing to things anyways. You know? Huh. Thank you, by the way, Jessica. I appreciate that. Uh, Jack O'Neill died in Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What happens? What happens when we, we start? <laughs> I don't want to see it, man. The joke is here is that in Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones' son died off camera a couple years ago in Vietnam. <laughs> That was really bad. Right, let's go through some of your comments here. I'm going to come up to the top. Uh, I didn't realize you guys were chatting so much. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm just going to start at a leader here. I bought a Stargate DVD box set 15 years ago online. It was region one and didn't have anything that, that I didn't have anything to play it. Uh, yeah, I guess in hindsight, what you could have done though, is you could have uh, bought a DVD drive and you could have, you could have installed the, the different regions as codex. That's what I did. Pluto for Stargate and Star Trek. Yeah, I was watching a little bit of Pluto. Pluto's cool. I don't like ads like at all. So I like the idea of putting some, putting something on though and just letting it run like as a channel. Like that's sort of nostalgic for me, not having to actually select anything to watch, just sort of putting it on in the background. That's nice. How many times can S uh, from Jessica? How many times can SG One go into the woods around Vancouver? <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, how many planets were on Stargate? Like, uh, or, or environmental types? It was like uh, the woods, some snow, or a desert. Woods, snow, desert. And it was always the same exact thing. Like, every time that gate opened, like, where are we going to get? Are we going to get Vancouver or the Mojave Desert? Pick one. Pretty cool. From Sidetrack, Shrew, they wanted 10. Amazon said 5. They were talking 7 to 8, but couldn't decide on movie or series, MGM Plus or Prime, etc. That's why negotiation ended in December. Yeah, um, that's not what I was told. So what I was told was, well, I didn't even know what the number was. So I'm basing it solely on that initial comment, was that they're probably going to ask for 10. Amazon said it was too much. So perhaps Amazon said it was five. And maybe maybe they're negotiating seven to eight. But the thing is, let's say Amazon was negotiating. I'm not sure what they're negotiating with. Like, here's our pitch. It's 10 million. They go, we don't want to do the show for 10 million. We can only do it for five. And they walk away. Like you're gonna, well, maybe I could do it. And all of a sudden, they go, well, maybe I could do it for seven or eight. I don't know if there's a lot of negotiation in that. Additionally, um, look at Citadel. Citadel was originally pitched at twenty million dollars an episode, and it ballooned. The budget actually expanded over time to forty-two million dollars an episode. So the pitch is not where you negotiate the budget. That's never the way it's been done. Now, as part of your pitch, you include what it's going to cost, but you don't actually negotiate the budget in your pitch. Now, a pitch can be turned down because of the budget being too high, but you're not actually going to negotiate that that those numbers um, because budgets expand and change over time. It's just a it's an odd thing. Christopher said, Citadel had a ton of reshoots that put up budget. Yes. A ton of reshoots. Yes. I'm sorry. I should have answered this earlier. I apologize. The original budget was 20 million episode. And it ended up being 42 million episode. So not only double and some change. (laughs) 42 million episode and the original original, original budget was, was 20 million. Like I said, the budget is important. It's part of a pitch. I've actually pitched things. They never worked out. But part of your pitch is like, this is the estimated cost. And um, when you like pitch a new series, that cost is going to change based on, because you're not, you're not actually, you haven't actually written the whole thing yet. Like you've pitched like the general idea and you, and you got to figure out, what what you have to what sets probably you have to build where you want to shoot what your general plan is that's part of the pitch right but you don't know exactly what's going to cost because you haven't written all the episodes for that series yet it's a general number so you you don't negotiate on the pitch you just don't in fact if they did negotiate on the pitch then it's the first time i've ever heard of a studio ever doing that which would only add to the fact that Jennifer Salky doesn't know what she's doing. Why would she negotiate on a pitch deal 
for a lower amount when she's when she gave Fleabag $23 million and Jordan Peele $42 million for a first look <laughs> for a first learn contract, which means that like they could come up with something for Amazon to do, but they might not. That's very odd. That just tells me she doesn't know what she's doing. Penny, 10 seasons on Pluto. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I, I do like the um I do like the Pluto aspect of like just being on turn it on. If your guys said they wanted one million too? No, yeah, the original the original guy from like the very first uh the MGM plus guy. I forgot his name what his name. Um I remember I remember him leaving because they wanted every episode to be done for as low as a million dollars. And I remember Terry telling Terry Metallus telling me something that about the fact that a lot of legacy shows when they're at the end of their life cycle, like that general number is around a million dollars an episode because everything's built. The contracts haven't been negotiated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So they were trying to sort of, I think they were trying to create something that was just enough to wet the whistle of fans to get them to sign up for MGM plus see how well it did as almost like a benchmark. And maybe they put more money into it. And I think that I forgot his name. Damn it. I had written down, but I closed that window. Um, I think he was just turned off by the, by the idea and he bounced. I don't know if it's the same guy, bro. Sorry. I don't know if it's the same guy. Because for Maze, if Picard Season 3 can be done for a million episodes, so could Stargate spinoff. Well, not exactly. Let me explain. Um, Stargate, uh, Star, Star Trek Picard Season 3 already had things created. There were already uniforms and sets. They had already made the Titan um, or parts of the Titan. Like, there were things already done. In fact, if you notice, uh, you will notice if you rewatch it, some of the uniforms don't look exactly the same because they ran out of uniforms from Picard Season 1 because Picard Season 3 spent so much time not in uniform. They didn't really make uniforms. They actually ran out of uniforms for in Picard Season 1. I'm sorry, in Picard Season 3 that they had gotten from Picard Season 1 and they had to borrow uniforms from Discovery and make modifications so that those changes wouldn't be so obvious. So they actually had to borrow things because they didn't have enough stuff. So they can only do it for a million dollars an episode, A, because Terry's a genius and he came in, you know, he came in uh, low. But also he knew that he can do 80% of the show on the Titan with sets that they already had. So the majority of that budget is not going to graphics and sets um but it's going towards other things you know uh movie oh you're saying it was a movie it's not it's not a movie or maybe it is i don't know i can't say christopher mays which would be accepted by fans i mean i'm sorry i'm let me finish in your last cast comment you said and you satisfy the work exec Woke execs by putting a man and tapping in charge. Yeah, if you put a man and tapping in charge, you would satisfy fans and you would satisfy the the box checking executives. However, 
Um, it's going to cost more than a million dollars an episode. They have to rebuild the SGC. They have to rebuild... Um, uh, what's the name of that ship? Oh my god, I'm forgetting right now. Whatever, the ship that they built. They, gotta re- re- they probably got to rebuild parts of, of Atlantis, I'm assuming. Perhaps they got to... They got to, you know, it's an ensemble cast. We're talking about hundreds of actors. Five to eight of them are actually, like, paid well. It's going to cost more than, it's going to cost more than a million dollars. Archmage, I've, I've heard literally zero buzz about MGM Plus. Yeah, I did sign up for the, um, for the, what do you call it? The uh, seven-day free trial. There's nothing on there that matters, dude. Just, just it's just whatever. It's not it's not a very good uh not a very good streaming service. Like most of the stuff on MGM, you can get other places. So I don't I don't know. Hang on, I'll show you. <clears throat> Here we go. This is uh MGM plus. Babylon, you can get on another service. You can get Dungeons and Dragons on another service. Create three. This is on, I can get this on another service. I only know this because I've already watched these. All of these. Paramount, Peacock. I've watched these on other services. So, like, the, MGM Plus is at best redundant. Perhaps Outer Limits. But coming to MGM Plus, it's not even there yet. Coming to... You got the old Adams family, old outer limits. Maybe those are like sort of worth it. But everything here is just either really, really old or already on other streaming services. So it's it's just a redundant service in my opinion. All right. Amanda tapping on a riot. Hell yeah, bro. Uh, sidetrack, we were told three to four months ago announced at SDCC if the actors don't strike. <clears throat> yeah, I saw the same post. I think I saved it somewhere. I saw, I saw an announcement of it being announced at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I saw some leak on 4chan about that. I tried to confirm it and I, I literally I literally emailed like twenty-five people that I know are in the know on this. And I was either ghosted or I was told it wasn't real. And they could be lying, but I don't know. I don't know. Did you do a video about sidetrack? Let me know, bro. If you did, I'll 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 pitch it at the end of the stream. Jessica asks, where is Overlord DVD when you need him? No one ever needs Overlord DVD. <laughs> Stargate, Journeys with Jonas. <laughs> that could be made for a million dollars an episode. I'm pretty sure that guy is not working, uh, whatever his name is. Um, and you can do this whole like, like short, almost web series where he is solo traveling through the gates. <laughs> you could do it. You could do it. No more Parker Lewis. I'm not sure what that means. Who's Parker Lewis? Am I missing something? No. 
don't know. Kyle Approach, SDCC would be nice. Yeah. If you guys remember, there was this whole... Um, He was this, there was this whole, uh, what do you call it? Like leak, like, like group of leaks. And it was all talking about Stargate and, uh, being announced at Comic-Con and who might be there and why and whatever. And there was, I had saved all the documents, but, and they all, it all looks good, but you got to understand a lot of leaks look good and then end up being just trolls trying to get attention. And, um, I couldn't actually confirm any of them. I sent them. I, I texted, I emailed, I called. And like I said, I was either ghosted or I was told it wasn't, it wasn't accurate or it wasn't real. So I don't know. It would be great. Comic-Con is, uh, coming up. I think it's, uh, in August, right? No, it's in July. July 23rd. It's in like a couple weeks. So if we do hear something, it'll be uh, two weeks from now. I don't think we do, though. I think that's hogwash. I would like to, but I believe that I'm going to go with my, my gut and what and what a lot of the my my contacts have said. And they all said that they either, like I said, they either ghosted me or they said it wasn't real. So we'll see. I, I hope they're lying to me. Only so I can come, only so I can give them a hard time. Uh, Stargate Parker, Lewis. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. What's, who is Lewis Loses? What is that? I don't know. Is that a show or something? I don't know. You guys tell me. Kurisman will, will be given Stargate. No, no, Jessica. No, my friend. No. No, I was comparing the two because I believe that with someone like Jennifer Selke in charge, she'll hire someone like Kurtzman. Because she's more concerned with her Hollywood clout than with actually producing something good. Sidetrack has said plan right now is to announce the movie at SDCC. But again, they can't decide. Yeah, I don't think that is the plan. I think that leak was... Uh, I think that leak was bullshit, man. Like I said, I I shopped it around. And I couldn't get an answer. And I've done that. I've been doing this for a while. And usually when I shop a leak around, I can, I can tell if someone is... is ghosting me because they don't want to talk. Or... Or if they're, or if they're, or if they're like, you know, being tongue in cheek about answer, giving me the correct information, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not gonna say definitively, but pretty definitively, I don't think anything's gonna happen at, at Comic Con. I think that leak was total, total bullcrap. Um, and even if it was not, even if it was real, why would they not be able to decide? What is there to decide? This is not like a small studio that doesn't know if they have the money to do something. This is Amazon. They they spent a billion dollars in programming that made them no money. So like, if it's a pretty easy decision to make. It's a binary decision. Uh, we're going to announce at Comic-Con or we're not. 
So I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna announce a Comic Con. <clears throat> we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I hope I'm wrong only so that I can report on it because I actually don't want it to happen. But <laughs> what can I say, Maze? I'm winning today. Boulevard Jones. Why would Amazon make Citadel when they have the rights to James Bond? That is a great question, Kyle. Why would they make Citadel a spy thriller when they can make James Bond? I do not know. That is stupid, isn't it? Welcome to Jennifer Salky. Uh, There might be some like extra things involved with making James Bond, but it would make more sense for you to go through the extra the ho- extra hoops with the James Bond family or whatever and just make it happen. If you want a spy thriller and you got people that want to do a spy thriller and you own the rights to James Bond, then make a James Bond spy thriller. Or me, or or just set it in the James Bond universe. It doesn't have to be with James Bond. It could have been James Bond adjacent. What an odd choice to do. It's just it's weird. She makes poor decisions. She's the wrong person for the job. I'm not even sure how she got the job. Frankly speaking, so weird. Anyways, okay. Moving on. Sidetrack. Uh, WB Partnership and Bad Robot is a rumor bounced around a few t- few months ago, but not heard it for a while. They did pitch though. Yeah, I would have. I wouldn't. Um, I think that maybe they could pitch because Bad Robot is a pretty big company and. Actually, I don't, I'm not sure why they would pitch. But if they did, I don't think it was J.J. Abrams. It was probably it was probably someone at Bad Robot. Bad Robot does have a first look deal with WB where they were already paid to create product for WB or to bring product to Warner Brothers. So it's entirely, entirely possible that maybe they're pitching in connection to Warner Brothers as part of their first look deal. I don't know. They start the series with a crawl, a text crawl. Every character from SG-1, Atlantis, and Universe died tragically. Join us for the adventures of a new and better team. <laughs> Here, you want, to know you want to see something funny? Um, I had that idea, that exact idea, when, when we make that, uh, uh, that other, star, that last, not, not, not the last Stargate video, but the one before it. That's not the one. Let me, let me get the right one for you. Oh, here we go. Yo. Okay, check this out. Check this out. I'm gonna show you guys this. Alright, this was the intro to our uh video two videos ago. And uh we just sort of remixed the scene from Stargate. And here's what it is. Yo, Wonderbread, you got that address figured out yet? Chill, T. I'm like translating as fast as I can. I'm 
don't think Mitchell likes me anymore. I'm pregnant. so much um uh, jack neal died in vietnam nope oh wrong one is the orville season four happening it's not not happening we have been uh talking to tom a lot tom is a really great guy um he's gonna be on raw rant at some point on some Monday, either this Monday or next, we're gonna we're trying to figure it out. He's a hard guy to lock down because he's so damn busy. But he's gonna be on, and he has an announcement. <clears throat> he's he's calling it a soft announcement. Hopefully, it's related to Orville. Even if it's not, I'm cool with it. Um, I just want to be able to ask him about whether they tore the sets down. I want to get more information on where everything is generally with the Orville. Like if the sets are still at Fox, I'll tell you right now, season four is going to happen. If the sets are still at Fox and it's been this much time, they have not been torn down or moved. It's 100% a reality. It will happen. And I will eat my words because last year I was like, it ain't happening. It's over. But from, from my sources, and I haven't spoken to him for a few months. Um, as of a few months ago, those sets were still standing. I'm not joking. I actually, I, I have a guy in, uh, almost met, almost made a mistake. I have a, a person that I talked to on social media that works at Fox, um, or around Fox, I should say. And he feeds me some information about certain series. And last time I talked to him, the the Orville hangar is what he called it. The Orville sets were still running, which means, or still on, still up, which means that either they're being really slow and tearing them down or they're up for a reason. And that's why I'm anxious to talk to Tom. And I don't want to just talk to him like over text. I want him to be on the show so I can look at his face when I ask questions, you know? All right. <laughs> Archmaid's phrase. This is the new Stargate. Ezra Miller is the president of, of United Earth Alliance. <laughs> Jack O'Neill with three L's. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Christopher, uh, or Orville Nation, that are up to something, something, something. Announcing the all-new Adventures of Stargate, brought to you by Ryan Johnson. <laughs> uh, Sidetrack, if the source they that told you this is the guy they said one million quid in a budget, then I wouldn't worry. I have a lot of sources. The one million uh, budget was in relation to what Amazon requested of the original uh, original person. That was supposed to open up MGM Plus. That was a, that's a completely different. Uh, that's only a part of this 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 story because that was the first information I got about New Amazon, and it was um 
And that just didn't go anywhere because that's not enough money. Somehow Apophis returns. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Shane is the new thing in charge of SGC. All right. Uh, Jessica Tannis, I'm, I'm, look, I'm so looking forward to Jack. Jackie o- <laughs> Jackie O'Neill. <laughs> Sam Carter, actually a, like a man, Sam Carter. Daniela Jackson and Tilk. Tilk is the only one that is whose gender hasn't changed. It's Jackie O'Neill, Sam Carter, and he's actually really dumb. <laughs> he's just a dumb white guy that they boss around. And Daniela Jackson. <laughs> That's great, man. Uh, sorry. Announcing the all-new adventures of Stargate, brought to you by the producers of Book of Boba Fett, coming soon to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Oh man. Uh Orlin built a Stargate in Carter's basement with a microwave and a toaster. You're telling me in a movie studio can't make a new Stargate show? <laughs> That's great. I'm I am putting that I'm putting that on uh Twitter, dude. I'm gonna I'm, I'll reference you. That's awesome. Yeah, it's almost like that moment. Um Tony Stark built this in a cave. With scraps. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to copy this right now. I'll, I will credit this to you, and I'm going to tweet this out immediately. This is great. I love it. Oh, imagine making a hotel that's Orville themed. I like that. I'm still waiting for a themed hotel. Not like a, a Tibetan themed hotel or like Whatever. I'm looking I'm, I'm waiting for like a true franchise themed hotel. Like give me a Star Trek hotel, a Stargate hotel. I know they had the Star Wars like Galaxy Cruise, but that's not a real hotel. It's like ten thousand dollars a night. No one can stay there. And it's being shut down. It's being shut down in like two months. <laughs> Just because my pronouns are they instead of she doesn't mean I can't handle anything you can. New Sam Carter. <laughs> Just because my pronouns are they and my sex organs are on the outside doesn't mean I can't handle anything. <laughs> oh man. That's great. Anything else? Here we go. Adam Leader. To be fair, Star Trek has a long history of recycling sets. I used to find it frustrating, but the fact they're still doing it kind of makes sense. Kind of makes it seem like they are carrying on a torch. Yeah, I mean, that's what studios do. They, they recycle sites. They recycle stuff. That's what it was, Rec Thoughts. The Daedalus. The Daedalus and the Prometheus. You are right. You know, uh, there's a... Daedalus is actually also, I think, a a weapon. I forgot exactly what it was. Or a reference to. Alright. Um oh I love when the Promethean shows up in Stargate Atlantis, as does Jason Momoa. Yes, I do too. That was my first introduction to Jason Jason Momoa. A lot of people were introduced to Jason in uh Baywatch. But I didn't watch Baywatch because I have a penis. 
Or maybe I should have watched it with that penis. I don't know. I just wasn't interested. I wasn't interested. Um. Oh, Jonas Quinn. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. <laughs> Renting out Cheyenne Mountain would cost a lot. <laughs> I guess it would. You know, when I was younger, I used to think they actually like shot part of the show in Cheyenne Mountain because I didn't know how TV worked. And then I realized those are just establishing shots that you can actually buy from like Getty Images. You can buy those exact video clips that they use in Stargate from like a stock photography company. Yes, Strange New Worlds is is in its own universe or it's an altered universe. There's a door on the actual Cheyenne Mountain complex labeled Stargate Command in the Janitor's Closet. That is factual. That's in our that's in our doc. There is one of the janitor's closet closets has a label that says Stargate Command, which I think is stup- super clever. The actor that played Jonas was the lead. Oh, I see. I see. Anything else? Is Ryan really a big film bad filmmaker? I don't think he's actually a bad filmmaker. I think he doesn't know how to make a Star a Star Wars movie. That's it. So here's the question. I hate The Last Jedi. I took an instant dislike for Ryan Johnson. Avoid his films until they got got forced to watch Knives Out, which I generally enjoyed. Yeah, I liked I liked it too. I don't think I don't think Ryan Johnson is a bad filmmaker. I think he's bad at making Star Wars films. I think he's the wrong choice. I don't necessarily think that any of these creatives are bad or good. Um, I haven't probably hadn't seen enough of their stuff. Like say, like the guys from Rings of Power, it was an obvious choice that Jennifer made. Jennifer Selke made to hire the wrong people. She hired people that had no actual credits to their name to helm a massive budgeted TV show based on an. A hundred-year-old franchise. I mean, if that is not a bad idea, I don't know what is. Five hundred million dollars, Lord of the Rings. Let's hire these people with no experience. Why would you do that? I don't. I can't get. I can't get get it through my head. Yeah, he's a bad Star Wars maker. Yeah. Orville Nation. Five dollars. Thank you, PJ. Stargate SG-1 was propped up by the U.S. Air Force. Mainly to get them involved again. <laughs> Maybe, man. I don't know. That'd be great. That'd be great. I remember when I was in the Army, they had SG-1 uh, SG-1 stuff in the PX. Like, a PX is like um, it's like a Walmart or whatever. It's like something like a Target or a Walmart. It's like a store inside on that they're on bases. And basically you can get a lot of stuff there you would get in like a regular store. But there's also a lot of army stuff, like extra BDUs, which is like the clothes they wear, right? Extra patches, extra berets, canteens, weapons. Like you can get a lot, a lot of the stuff on a, in a PX you can get it like you can get the same stuff at like Walmart but you can also get army stuff but for some reason they had a a serious affinity for media that were military based 
like um, Saving Private Ryan or whatever, right? Not some reason, for obvious reasons, because it was the military. But I remember they had an entire section dedicated to Stargate. That Stargate DVDs and Stargate like um, berets and just like Stargate, random Stargate stuff. It was really cool. Yo, Wonder Bread. <laughs> I remember that. It's great. What's up, Wonder Bread? All right. I'm pregnant, so random. Yeah, yeah. Brian, the sets got ripped down before season three aired, and I know it's 100%. Really? Really? Because I was told that all the placards were still there. Interesting. Oh, well, see, that's not good then. Yeah, I got a different take on that set too. Maybe maybe they pulled the guts out but they left all the placards there. I don't know. Hey, tell me more about that on Discord. I want to know more about that. That's wild. Yeah, I was told like this this like the whole hangar was still there. It's crazy. Uh yeah, you don't keep those sets and not do it. That's true. Yep, we do. All right. Um, okay, a lot of stuff here. All right. So I'm going to wrap it up, my friends. I just realized it was 7 o'clock. It's been like two hours. So that's the whole story. Basically, man, I am, uh, my friends, I am concerned about, bottom line is I'm concerned about uh, Stargate because of Jennifer Salke and the people that are in charge of Amazon Studios right now. It's just not a healthy environment um, for our beloved franchise. So from my perspective, I think that... I I wish that there would be no Stargate until the environment in which for them, in, in which for it to flourish, would be healthy and vibrant. And that's it. That's all I got. That is Popcorn Power Hour. Thank you, everyone, who gave donations and super chats and all that stuff. You guys are awesome. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, we will be not be back tomorrow. There's no Raw Rant tomorrow, but hopefully we have Raw Rant next Monday. But also, we do have our show on Thursday. Assuming that Shane has returned from his exile to the wilderness unscathed, um, then... It'll be me, me and him back back together again, together again on the Unleashed show this Thursday. However, he is in the wilderness. He is cosplaying as a homeless person right now um, in the wild. And, you know, I'm worried about his safety. So hopefully he makes it back. For some reason, he just took, he looked me dead in the eye. He's like, I have to do this, bro. And he took like a machete and like uh, one of those like bracelets that you can make cable out of, and he just walked into the woods. He said he'd be back in a week. It's been a week, so hopefully he comes back. And everyone thinks I'm joking. I'm not. You know, he just took off. See how it goes. Um, although I do think that out of all the people I know, if anyone can can survive out there, it would be Shane. 
I believe that if a bear came to get him, I think that Shane would just wrestle the bear to the ground, cut its throat, and eat it. I believe that. He's a very strong man. My brother's very, very strong. It's uh, it's scary how strong this guy is. Anyways, guys, so that means we'll be back on Thursday at noon. I'm sorry, at 12.30 for sure. And uh, that's it. Uh, we should have a video coming out, hopefully on Stargate. We're just crossing some some I's and dotting some T's. <laughs> um, and as long as we get the full go-ahead, we're going to... It's going to happen. Um, if not, then we'll get we'll do something else that's fun. But that's it. I love you guys. Uh, I love everything. Everything you guys do for us. I appreciate your support. And um, I'll see you guys on uh, on Thursday. So, till next time, have an awesome week. And I hope that uh, all your dreams involve the traversing through a Stargate and into the yoga studio of Beverly Crusher and Deanna Troy.